One of the big things we discussed today is something that is figuratively and literally really big. It's the Stanley Quencher Tumbler. These big 40-ounce mugs with handles that you see people carrying around. They're huge. They are like wildfire, apparently. I didn't know how big a deal these things were, but it's a genuine phenomenon. So we spoke to a marketing expert about what is making these things so big right now. And then we asked you... What is something that you just had to have? Talk some football in our Breakfast with a Bomber segment. We checked in with one of our listeners who was at the Kansas City game in that really cold game over the weekend and was actually on the field holding the American flag. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling, we are Mackling and McGarry. And this is the Tuesday, January 16th podcast for the start. On the subject of cold, we want to begin with what I think is a moment of panic that we can all relate to in in some capacity, at least if you've ever had a pet. Greg, what happened to you yesterday? Well, so my wife's been away for the last few days and uh, in a tropical locale. So I've been, you know, doing all the... All the pet stuff in the morning and, and dealing with the boys and uh, making sure that they get to where they need to get. And I got a text message from Jackie yesterday saying she'd forgotten her passport on the cruise ship. Oh, no. And then they had to go back and find it for her. So she was in a state of panic for about, you know, 90 seconds until, you know, everybody assured her, yeah, we'll get it. We'll, you know, it's all good. And <laughs> Search the whole ship? No, she knew exactly where it was. Okay. It was in the safe in, in her in her room. And uh, on the way home yesterday, I'm driving up Henderson Highway and I'm scanning, you know, what's going on. There aren't a lot of pedestrians, but I noticed this one gentleman on Henderson Highway getting into his car and he's holding a cute dog. And I look at the dog and I go, oh, he's so cute. He looks just like whiskey. And within less than three seconds, my heart sank because I did not remember letting whiskey into the house after letting him out for his morning business. Oh, no. And I had about six, seven minutes before I was going to be home. I didn't speed, but my hands went tingly. My, I'm sure all the blood rushed out of my face. It was really an unparalleled level of OMG. Now, I've got neighbors who have my phone number, so I was, you know, because he would have barked and barked and barked to get in, but it was so cold like it is this morning. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday morning, Abby wouldn't even go outside. She stuck her nose out and she turned around. She said, I ain't going out there, <laughs> mister. And so I was horrified that I'd left whiskey outside. Obviously, I hadn't, but it was, I don't know, it was more bothersome to imagine that, I could imagine not, you know, letting him in, but the fact that I didn't remember letting him in was sort of bugging me too. Yeah. You know, as I get to my age, I always worry about this whole idea of becoming forgetful and, but, oh my God, I, I'm getting all worked up just thinking about it. I felt <laughs> terrible, Brett. I never felt so bad. Well, and I can, I, I got a couple of thoughts on that, but uh, the first is I, you talk about feeling bad. I remember, I, and I think I've told you this before, but when I had a dog, when I had a house some 10 years ago, now I guess this would be 12 years ago, I had a dog. He was uh, like a husky cross shepherd. His name was Dexter. And so he liked the outdoors. He liked the snow. But there was one Friday night where I let him out 
sat down on the couch and fell asleep for like an hour. And it was like this. It was cold. And he, I don't know how if he was barking, but I woke up and he was and he was just kind of standing at the door waiting patiently. Let him in and uh he was wagging his tail. He was cold obviously. Didn't seem to be in any distress though. He just sort of carried on and thank God for that. <sighs> but uh the, whenever I think about that, I I just think like that's the it made like the worst thing I've ever done as a, as somebody who loves pets. I just I felt so so bad and so guilty. And it, it, so like I joke all the time about how I have this pension for nodding off, sitting up on the couch, I'll fall asleep here after the show sometimes. <laughs> I can I will wake up and there'll be people staring into the, <laughs> staring through the window of the studio wondering what's going on with McGarry. Uh, when I tape the couch potatoes on Thursday afternoons, I often fall asleep in that studio while I'm trying to type things. It's just I don't know, maybe I have narcolepsy. But um that's the one, right? I always get the Yeah. Okay. This where you just fall asleep standing up or yeah. without even realizing in mid conversation. Yeah, I think it's narcolepsy. So if I feel terrible about that. And then on the subject of you say you mentioned your age and, and being bothered by the forgetfulness. I do you think that's an age thing or do you or do you think that's just a uh a, a like you know, when we drive to work? And we don't remember how we got there. And we talked to a brain expert about that. One, a friend of yours uh, years ago who said that's that's okay. Like you're, 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 you don't remember because your brain knows. Right. It sort of uh, empties the temporary files, right? As you're going through the day, the stuff that you don't need to remember. They just kind of get they get tossed out. And so sometimes you get into a routine and I've driven to the wrong house or been halfway, you know, I've moved six months previous and <laughs> something traumatic has happened at work. And then you realize I don't live in Charleswood anymore. I live in St. James, <laughs> you know, and you turn around tuxedo Boulevard or something like that. Uh, I've been there and we've, we've shared stories like that, but just, you know, with my brain injury history and all that sort of stuff, you know, I just, and it's Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and so you, you have these uh, conversations with yourself about uh, when is it time to get a little concerned and when is it time when you just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I just really need to be really conscious about making sure that I do it. And where's the in-between and where are the lines where you need to be concerned? So uh, I'm just putting that one. I'm writing that, that one down in a different column on the list. How's that? It is Mackling and McGarry. A bit later on this morning at 8.35, we are going to introduce you to, or try to at least explain, because maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, but the Stanley Tumblr phenomenon. Greg, tell us a little bit more. Okay, so many of you might be familiar with Stanley products like uh, tools. They were, you know, built for trade, workers in the trades, and they were supposed to be a once-in-a-lifetime purchase because they last a lifetime. Well, now the Stanley Tumblr is being marketed to be an eco-friendly purchase by reducing the need for single-use plastics. But now this has become the must-have accessory of 2024 question. Will people still be using it in six months or a year and 25 years? It's sort of a sort of a trend. It's a craze. Matt Mitchell on TikTok created this video. Here's part of it. It has 2.2 million 
views. What is this place? Well, look who finally got downgraded. Welcome to the back of the cup cabinet, bro. Is this like cup hell? It's an inevitable fate for every trendy overpriced cup. Oh, I was supposed to last forever. Oh, Stan the man. She had to fight a lady at Target for me. Wow, that sounds like my neck of the woods. <laughs> okay, so there's the various mugs talking to each other. So this Stanley Tumbler is this just big, like 40 ounce thing with a handle on it. And I don't know, Forte, you actually got pretty fired up about this when I asked you about it. Oh, I just hear it all the time. Sarah, I think Sarah has one. I have fallen victim, yes. <laughs> I said I said there's only one Stanley Cup and it better be in Winnipeg at the end of this jet season. <laughs> yes. That'd be good too. That would be good, too. Yeah, I have a Stanley. A Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. The tumbler, sorry, not the cup. Why and how did you get it? Uh, Well, it was a gift, actually. I will say that. This wasn't something I would go out of my way to stand in lineups like they are in the U.S. at all these stores, like in the middle of the night for the release of these new colored cups. Um, But I am a big fan of reusable water bottles, and I've gone through all the phases of the different ones. I've had a Swell, a Hydro Flask. I have a Yeti here this morning. My Stanley that I have, I find it's too big to lug around here. I use it more at home, but... um, It's like 40 ounces. (laughs) That's why. So yeah, I have a smaller cup to use at work because, I don't know, you could knock someone out with that thing, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) You really could. It's like two... The one I have is two liters, so... Yeah, um, but no, it was a gift. Um, my friend had one, and I was always commenting on it. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice, but I wouldn't go out of my way, like I said, to buy one. So she got one for me for Christmas. You need so one of those two wheeled dollies to bring it up from your car every <laughs> for 34, morning. Yeah, 34. So yeah, but <laughs> I'm, right. I'm victim to it. So we want to ask you this morning is that because a lot of people right now have to have it. I must have this Stanley Tumbler, the new pink or whatever color. I got to get it. So is there something that you've ever had to, you just had to have it and you had to have it now? It doesn't have to be uh, an accept. It could be something as simple as like, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. And it was like practically snowstorm outside, but I suddenly felt compelled. Like I wanted to go buy some garbage pail kids cards. And if you're a certain vintage, you might remember the garbage pail kids. So I put on all my stuff and I walked to the Minute Mart in Transcona at Main and, or at uh, Day Street and McMeans through the snowstorm to buy some Garbage Pail Kids cards because I had to have them in How that moment. How old are you? I don't know, 9 or 10. <laughs> so 204-780-6868. What's something you had to have? Ross Levitan, what you got? Oh man, I need to come. I need to come with something great tomorrow because I don't want to let everyone down or be the cliche sports guy once again. But every year in, <laughs> in September, they've got the new the new NHL video game comes out, right? And as a kid, I always had to have it, and it was before. Now I think you can just download it the night before, and it Correct. becomes available. But before, you'd actually have to go to your GameStop or go to your store. So I'd always skip out at school to the, the <laughs> mall nearby to get it, and uh, then you get home, and it would literally be the exact same as last year, just with updated rosters. So there's always that initial oh I've got to have it you know my team's going to win the Stanley Cup this year so I'm going to you know make sure it happens the day of visually um, never did happen but then yeah you get home you'd be like wow this this isn't really that great but next year sure enough you know just like you can count on time uh, I'd be right back there in line so yeah I, and I was thinking when you asked the question Brett and uh, kind of a bigger kind of online spree with all the shopping it, the lines don't happen as much as they used to yeah so, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of, uh, you know, something I had to set my clock to every year. Well, hey, how many of those games did you pile up? Uh, well, how long ago was 1994? Because that would have been my first one. <laughs> oh, wow. Smokes. Yeah, John Van Beesbrook on the cover in 94. 
That was NHL 94, yeah. Is that the Sega? That no, or that would have been uh, a Nintendo 64. Oh, N64. And this okay. is EA Sports? Or, or, yeah, EA Sports every year and uh, you know what? It's we should the put them on the hot scene cuz it is the exact same game every year now. Yeah, the, I guess the Jets were in that one. We used to play that one. I think that was on PC though for me at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh man, that brings back some great memories. Uh, Sarah, you mentioned the, the tumbler, the Stanley, but what's something you had to have? That was it. The water, all the water bottles I mentioned. But other than that, I think I really got into the belt bag craze, like just a couple years ago. So I've you had mean the like fanny pack. the fanny pack, yeah. belt bag, whatever we're what calling it, it now. So that's my other thing. Um, I just had to have this one from Lulu or the cross body bag. As, all these uh, Lululemon is marketing, yes, marketing them as that, now. I have that too. And Forte. <laughs> Well, I was saying in elementary school, Pokemon cards, man, those things, like, you had to have them. You had, It was even in, in the, the little title they had, Gotta Catch Them All. And then, uh, what was the game that came up, Pokemon Go? Uh, like, mm-hmm. everyone was playing that. And, like, you had to catch all the Pokemon. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, such a waste of money. Such a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> that Pokemon Go game though got a lot of people outside and exercising. Mm-hmm. It was that was that was really like you could just see the people wandering around like zombies. Yeah, but <laughs> getting into trouble, going got to places that they should have been in. Nah, Christian, I think still plays that. Yeah, I'm you, with him. Yeah. We'll be on the road somewhere. It's like, what are you doing? I'm just collecting some Pokemon. <laughs> It is Mackling and McGarry. Right now, throughout the day on 680 CJOB, we are going to be discussing travel, the cost, the logistics, some of the considerations you make when deciding where to go. And one of those considerations might be safety. And we have a few questions for you. As Brett mentioned, we'll be discussing this throughout the day, taking your temperature on a variety of different things as it pertains to travel. So where would you rate safety on the list of considerations when you make or or are choosing a, a travel destination? Do you check whether or not the area to which you are traveling is under any sort of travel advisory or official advice from government affairs? Do you trust those advisories as much as anything versus the feedback perhaps that you get from people you may know who either live, who are also have visited the places that you're going? And do you anticipate the safety issues if there are any more based on previous experience with the place that you're heading to? than anything else. Give us your feedback on safety and travel, the impact it might have and the different approach that you might take different approaches. You might take in order to uh, keep yourself and your family safe when traveling. Let us know. 204-780-6868. Now the Canadian government via global affairs has travel advice and advisories for dozens of countries around the world. You can see those online at travel.gc.ca. Now if getting on an airplane or driving for three days is not an option, in order to escape the deep freeze, there is a place not too far from Portage in Maine which provides a tropical getaway. Let's catch up now with Global News Morning reporter Clay Young, who is at Assiniboine Park. Clay, you outside? No, I. You know, I think uh, I was thinking of staying out in the deep freeze, and then I thought, you know, talking about going to a place, I'd I'd like to be in a tropical forest. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I am in a tropical forest. Let's go. <laughs> I'm at the Leaf 
gentlemen, and I'm with Carla Tadla. Uh, so uh, there is a new exhibit going on here, and it features mannequins, and I'm looking at them. Uh, it's a spectacular sight, and it's so beautiful in here. I'm taking off my winter jacket, and I'm just going to you know, throw the sunglasses on and just, you know, veg out for a while. But explain where we are. Well, thank you, Clay. And I would just like to say that Fleur de Ville here at the Leaf, the theme this year is voyage. So if people are wanting to travel but not actually wanting to go too, too far away, they can come on down to the Leaf and they can experience 15 different spectacular destinations that have been brought to life with flowers. So we have got exhibits from many different countries here that have been built by your Winnipeg florist. They are unbelievably beautiful, and I would encourage people to come on down and have a little voyage of their own here at the Leaf. You showed me uh, when we when we came in here, one of the mannequins right off the bat is the Manitoba mannequin. Yes, that's correct. So that is one of the destinations, and we aren't going to tell you too, too much because we want you to come and see it. But on every platform of every installation, there's a lovely sign with the story that's been brought to life in flowers highlighting the different local florists who have produced these incredible installations, and it's really magical. Um, It's just an absolutely beautiful exhibit. We have done these shows all over the world, and I have to say that the Leaf is one of the most beautiful venues we have ever had the privilege to be at, and your local florists are truly artists, and they have just produced a spectacular show here. And if people do come down here and they look at the mannequins, they can actually vote on which one they like the most, and uh, they can. we're kind of laughing because I like this one, but we don't want to show any favorites here. What, how, do, how does that work? That's correct. So when you buy your ticket to come on in, you get a ballot, and you have the opportunity to choose your favorite mannequin, which will be difficult, and then you pop that into the ballot box, and at the end of the show, which runs until the 21st of January, there will be a fan favorite awarded to one of the florists, but also every single person who enters that contest does have the opportunity to win a prize, which is a beautiful weekend away at the Winnipeg Fairmont. And so we encourage you to come on down and try to select your favorites, enter the contest. And we have had already nearly 10,000 people through this show. It's running for the next six days. And um, the folks here at the Leaf are really encouraging everyone, if you'd like to come, to book your tickets online in advance so that there's no disappointment because many of the time slots have actually been sold out. Yeah, we're we're almost done here. But uh, as you mentioned, this is not going all winter long. This is going to wrap up very soon, this Sunday. This this Sunday, that's correct. So there's six more days to come on down here and uh, see some just absolutely beautiful floral exhibits. Yeah, it is spectacular. All right, guys, uh, that is here. Uh, that is it from the uh, tropical forest, uh, as I like to call it. But it, it really is wild. Thank you, Clay Young. We always appreciate you. And uh, I feel warmer already, Brett, just listening to that segment with, Warm uh, with Clay. Warm and fuzzy, I tell you. Warm <laughs> and fuzzy. I like that. <laughs> Clay Young, Global News Morning, joining us live on 680 CJOB from the Leaf. And once again, the Fleur de Ville Voyage exhibit wraps up on Sunday. What is something that you just had to have? Like the Stanley Tumbler. This is the, the quencher. That's what it's called. This big 40-ounce cup. And uh, people are going nuts over this thing. So what's something you had to have? And Ray the Grain Guy in Minnedosa 
Reminding us, by the way, speaking of Brandon, he says, Happy Ag Days Day, the big ag show in Brandon starts today. But Ray says, when I was in grade five, everyone was collecting Sheriff Jello hockey coins. It was the first year the NHL had 12 teams. One plastic coin came in each box. We seemed to be getting the same random coins in the boxes in Manitou, and I needed better ones desperately. So I convinced my mom to drive me to Morden and then later to La Riviere to (laughs) possibly get different coins. It worked. I had to have them. Do you know what he's talking about? I think I do. Uh, just didn't turn. Yeah, the, the, the illness that is uh, being a collector. I do have a recollection of seeing them, maybe not in person, but maybe at a card show once upon a time. And I took advantage of a of a different hockey phenomenon. McDonald's had those mini NHL trophies yeah. probably about 20 years ago. I went out and collected them all, and I was selling them on eBay. <laughs> I'm making a fortune, but I've seen them since. I should have kept them. I... I they, they actually are worth a little bit of money now. Oh, no. Yeah. Eh, well, I'm just trying to flip them. Just after 7.35 on Tuesdays, what do we usually do, Jeff Forte? We do Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. Now, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, at least publicly, talk about playing all season long so they can host the West Final in Winnipeg weather. Well, over the weekend and into yesterday, we saw two NFL wildcard weekend games with very CFL-like weather. On Saturday afternoon, Mackling joined Greg Brady of AM640 and Roy Green on his national program, heard right here on 680 CJOB, to preview the NFL playoffs. As usual, he found a way to make it about the CFL and Winnipeg, and we're going to bring someone on in a moment who is at one of these games over the weekend, but we just want to give you this quick recap. Greg Mackling, what do you make? I mean, over here you live in Winnipeg, probably the coldest spot on, in the world at times. What do Winnipegers? What would Winnipegers say at, at a postponement? I mean, looking at the weather conditions and the road closures, that's one thing. But if it was weather, just cold, how would Winnipegers respond to a, a postponement? 1991 Grey Cup, that's how we would respond to it. Just uh, go to the tape. <laughs> sat in the south end stand. I think it was about minus 24 by the time the game got finished. And there was wind on top of that. It was not a classic. Obviously, that's the game that's famous for uh, a fan throwing a a beer in the direction of Rocket Ismail on a kickoff return for a touchdown. It was cold. Rocket looks for a hole. If he gets to the outside this time, he's gone. Goodbye. People talk about, you know, the idea of playing in cold weather. Matt Dunnigan was the quarterback of record for the Argonauts in that game. And guess who he signed with the very next season? Signed up to become a Blue Bomber and to play in Winnipeg. So, you know, football players are a different breed. And I think some of them are absolutely salivating at the prospect of standing across from someone who's almost too cold that they don't want to get hit. The Blue Bombers always talk about never cold enough we're gonna find out just how uh just how much metal some of these nfl players have in a couple and, of and roy and roy and greg think tonight you've got the miami Dolphins starting quarterback who doesn't check any of these boxes he was born in hawaii that's not good given that's going to be about minus 28 celsius wind chill at arrowhead stadium tonight um and he's born in miami plays his college football in uh in in mobile alabama for nick saban mm-hmm gets drafted by the Miami Dolphins. So Hawaii, Miami, Alabama doesn't really connect with a minus 28 wind chill, which is what it's going to be at 8 o'clock tonight. 
but this is validation for those of us in Canada and cities that don't have dome stadiums and we talk about the great cup not being played inside and hey this is what football's all about never mind being and being a player a player and on the field as a player you get paid very well to be on that field as a fan you fan you pay very well to be a part of the in stadium experience one such fan from Winnipeg was at Arrowhead in Kansas City Missouri on Saturday and had what can only be described as a once in a lifetime experience unless of course Paul K you have held the American flag during the national anthem at more than one NFL stadium. This- Unfortunately, no, just the just the one so far. But we'll uh, we'll try and make it around the league. Have you thought out yet? Have I thought? Yeah, no. It, uh, the toes the toes at the end of the game were pretty uh, pretty rough. Uh, I did take my uh, my toque off for the actual anthem and uh, left it off during uh, <laughs> while they were singing. And uh, until I actually got off the field and my head was uh, pretty numb, indeed. I'm, did, I'm uh, follically challenged. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, did you bring, so like often when we get ready for those cold games in Winnipeg, we talk about the way that people prepare themselves to sit in the stands, to bring stuff like foam to put underneath your, to sit on, to put under your feet. Did you bring anything like that for that game? Uh, well, I I didn't. Uh, the people next to me had some cardboard. Lots of people in uh, in Kansas City for those cold games, they take cardboard cardboard or uh, some styrofoam to stand on. So uh, luckily, the people next to me had some cardboard, so they were uh, they were willing to share. And and uh, just as a note on the on the CFL side, I was at that twenty 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 one Western Final, and that's probably the coldest I was ever at a game. And uh, it, I just I was ill prepared for that one, so I. <laughs> I took the lessons from that Western final and applied it to this game. So is that as cold as you've, you've ever been 2021 or was it in fact when you had your toque off on the field at Arrowhead? Uh, well, 2021, I, like I say, I might've been ill-prepared, but there was also somebody there dressed like Strebler with the, the fur coat, no shirt and, and jeans. So I can't imagine what that guy was going through at the, at the 21 final. But uh, this game was in the stands. Not, it wasn't too bad till the end. Uh, but I will say I I I gotta take your hat off literally I did to the players because I was I was standing literally at center field, um, and I had my toque off and my fingers I tried to I was going to take my phone out to take a picture at the time and the uh, the button wouldn't work on the side of the phone like it was that cold and my, my fingertips were my fingertips were numb my head was numb but in that moment it, it was good that i didn't take a picture anyway i just wanted to be like in the moment you're like how often do you get to stand at center field for an nfl playoff game and just take in the experience so how did that how did you get down there like how, how did that come about uh well a friend of mine has uh, season uh, tickets good morning serge i'm sure you're listening but um uh, he asked me a couple days before we went if uh, i wanted to do the flag uh, holding on the field He's done it a couple times, but and the other guys that we go with sometimes have done it a couple times. But um, you basically have season ticket points, and you can put a bid in to be one of the positions holding the flag. So uh, he asked me if I wanted to do it. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I would do it, even though it's it's cold out. 
And uh, yeah, like 10 minutes later, he uh, he messaged me back and said, okay, we're in. And uh, then, you know, the anticipation began. It was a little bit of a harrowing drive. We drive uh, down there. It's about 12 hours uh, from Winnipeg down. So it's actually closer than Calgary. But uh, from Sioux Falls to uh, just north of Kansas City on this trip, there was uh, basically gusting winds, whiteout conditions, uh, vehicles strewn about the uh, about the ditches. And we even had a bit of a uh, misfortune at a, at a rest stop. We had to drive out the incoming road because the outgoing road was blocked my word so a harrowing experience uh well worth it though paul oh 100 i would do it again I, I don't care how cold it is i would do that again it was it was so cool very cool thanks for sharing this with us and agreeing to join us and and uh, take us inside take us down to field level uh the fourth uh, coldest ever uh nfl playoff game uh, quite the memory for you paul appreciate you brother absolutely thanks guys Paul Quay joining us live on 680 CJOB. Yeah, it was minus 20 at kickoff for that game. You say it was the fourth coldest? That's uh, that's uh, what the NFL Network was touting uh, yesterday and on, on Sunday. Yeah. All right. So Paul had a great time at that game. And uh, by the way, uh, here, what about a note from Ross? Yeah, Levitan attended yesterday. Of course, you may have seen uh, what used to be known as... Ralph Wilson Stadium full of snow and Pittsburgh Steelers fans. One video that's gone viral on the social media. Sort of their entire row was full with probably two and a half feet of snow. And uh, Levitan said he had a very familiar and similar experience back at the World Juniors back. I think in uh, 2018, he said they played an outdoor game. They got there in time for the third period in the shootout. Said it was something else. We've been discussing the trends, the pop culture or fashion trends we just had to be a part of. And this discussion was fueled by this. So here's the headline from Wired. The big problem with the giant Stanley Cup. And we're not talking about the Stanley Cup, you know, the coveted sports trophy that all NHL teams want, including the Winnipeg Jets. Stanley bottles have been a buy it for life staple of the working class for more than 100 years. Now the quencher H2.0 flow state tumblers become a symbol of social media fueled overconsumption. That's just one opinion, Brett. So the history of Stanley products was for trades workers and uh, were meant to be a once in a lifetime purchase because their tools are supposed to last a lifetime. These mugs and tumblers are marketed as eco-friendly by reducing the need for single-use plastics. The gigantic tumbler, it's like 40 ounces. It's become the must-have accessory of 2024. Does it have staying power, or is this the Beanie Baby phenomenon all over again while also becoming exactly what it's not meant to be, an eco-foe? To talk about this, we we welcome Kivalana Grove, Assistant Professor of Marketing at the Asper School of Business, joining us live in the start. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We've been having fun discussing this this morning. Uh, just how big a deal have these items become? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you, I don't think you can go anywhere without seeing Stanley water bottles right now. Uh, it's My students all have them. We saw them all in all the Christmas halls this year. They're everywhere. How does this happen 
Kivalina, like the idea of, you know, I know when you market and you create a product, you want it to do well. You want to sell a lot of them. But there's a difference between, you know, a best-selling product and an actual phenomenon, a trend, or, or, or a fashion must-have, right? Stanley has really captured social media marketing. And in fact, the Stanley quencher was almost discontinued. And it was two influencers who saw that they loved this water bottle and they were promoting it to their fans who convinced Stanley to give the line another chance. So they're really the reason we have these water bottles everywhere. All right. So these these water bottles, I know you're a professor of marketing. I'm just wondering, um, do you know if these mugs are as good as, as they are being touted, like, I, cause I used to have a Yeti, uh, it got beat up and I, I was gifted a Corksicle, which is a Canadian company. It's the same thing. It's one of these insulated cups. I, I don't really care. Like if I have the best or coolest name brand, I just want something that's going to keep my <laughs> beverage cold. Uh, do you know where Stanley ranks in this? Oh, I mean, we know that Stanley water bottles leak. We know that the cups, if you turn them upside down, leak. Um, and we know that we also don't care. As consumers, um, they're not really, we're not buying them for their functionality. It's not a utilitarian product. We're buying it because it is a fashion accessory. It is the new hot thing to have. Everyone has one. We want to fit in with our peers. So how does that happen? How do we go from uh, just something that we're going to get because it looks nice to everybody wanting one, whatever that product might be? Well, that's what we call the diffusion of innovation, um, and it's essentially how any product spreads through the marketplace. Um, really popular products start with a couple people. Um, we can call them influencers or innovators, and they're the ones who are using them. Other people see them using that product and think, wow, that is so cool, and then they buy them, and then before you know it, everyone and your grandma has one. So when we talk about, you know, Greg referenced the, the this Stanley quencher becoming a symbol of social media-fueled overconsumption. What's your thought on that? Well, the problem is, so MIT did a study, and they found that you have to use a reusable water bottle between 20 to 50 times, um, like every day per month, basically, um, before it becomes as sustainable as using disposable water bottles in that same time. So if you're buying these water bottles, and you're buying them to collect them. I mean, we've all seen the, the videos on social media, right? With people who have hundreds of these bottles lined up on their walls in every color possible. We're losing the eco-friendly, you know, built for a lifetime motto that Stanley really had when they introduced these bottles because they're just becoming this really eco-unfriendly thing that we're collecting and that's gathering dust on our walls. Yeah, it's sort of like these reusable shopping bags. You know, I appreciate what they were trying to do by eliminating single-use plastic bags, but now I have this gigantic collection of of, of fabric bags, and yes. quite frankly, I don't need another one ever in my lifetime. <laughs> I got three more for Christmas, and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> so the best best uh, you know intentions uh, sometimes go awry. But let's go back. You know, you're talking about how yes. social media influencers uh, essentially save this tumbler and and set it on this course. But I mean, there have been lots of things that have been fashion, you know, fashion uh, sensations is the word I'm looking for. Way before social media, hula hoops, roller skates, uh, rainbow <laughs> suspenders, just thinking of a handful of things from the 1980s, way before there was social media. Yeah. The thing is, with social media, we're seeing these trends get shorter. So the word is spreading faster about these items. It's able to get out to people a lot quicker on social media. And then we're seeing that we get bored of them faster. So we're moving on, um, which is also, unfortunately, very eco-unfriendly. 
But anybody wanting, if somebody wants to to get their their product out there, uh, how important is social media then in your mind in terms of trying to spread the word? Oh, it's critical. Uh, I mean, we saw many of you have probably seen the Stanley uh, video where the woman's car burned down and her Stanley was in the car with ice still in it. And Stanley replaced her car. I mean, that's viral marketing that Stanley can't pay for. I mean, that's just incredible. But social media is key. We're turning to our peers on social media to figure out what's popular, what we should want, what we should be looking for. It's crucial. So the quality question, Brett sort of asked it uh, off the top, and and you yeah. mentioned the fact that they, they, they leak and everything. So what's the danger here for consumers who follow these trends potentially who are chasing a, a fashion piece versus something that, you know, might be a better quality uh, that, that doesn't get the love on social media? Well, you mentioned that you have a couple old water bottles that used to be popular. I was a victim of the hydro flask trend. Uh, I still have my hydro flask, but it was like when I was in college, if you didn't have a hydro flask, you were not cool. The problem is that they're always changing um, and you're not buying something because of its functionality or its utility. You're buying it because of what it says or its ability to be a status symbol for you. Um, and that's always dangerous because you don't know what the real quality behind that thing you're getting is. Plus, Stanley is having to manufacture so many more cups now than they were before. And so there's more quality concerns because it's hard to ramp up manufacturing that fast when your product takes off. You know, it's funny, Kivalana, as I think about, or pardon me, Kivalina, um, that we are this concerned because like that's the kind of stuff when we were kids, you know, if you had, if you didn't have the cool thing, you'd get made fun of. But uh, even as adults, we still care about being cool. Why is that? Is it just because we want to feel like we are connected to the, the our community or something? Yeah, you've captured it. There's, there was a study that found that 40% of Canadians feel lonely some or all of the time. You've probably heard the studies that a doctor said that feeling lonely is as bad for your health as smoking. Um, and with COVID, many of us turn to social media to fill that gap that we have. Um, and the problem with social media is it makes us feel more unhappy. The more time you spend on social media, the worse off you think your life is compared to others. Um, so it's really sort of a double-edged sword. You're turning to it to try to be social and connect with others, but then you're also feeling lonelier and you're feeling like you need more stuff. You need the the hip, you know, hip items. That's using hip is not hip, uh, but you need the popular items to keep up with the other people on social media. You can use whatever words you want. I still like to say things like <laughs> neato and nifty. So Kivalina, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Kivalina Grove is assistant professor of marketing at the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. I do remember the first time I got a Yeti. This was, and this actually what ended up being a thing I just had to have. I didn't even know they existed when my buddies started talking about them. They're like, yeah, the, the, the marketing tag is uh, as cold as, it keeps drinks cold as cold as science will allow. And uh, and they're like, I don't know, okay, well, where do you get them? And one of the guys says, you can get them at Golf Town. And like I raced out of my home to go get one. Really? And they were, I'm not saying they weren't flying off the shelves, but you could tell that the shelf had been full and it was getting picked over because I think, that's that was the hot ticket at the time was the Yeti. And I told the guys I'm going because we all sort of like we we all got to get one of these. So I ended up buying, I think, three or four of them 
for like for me and for a couple of other guys. You had some extra cash to spend, apparently. <laughs> well, I didn't buy it. They, 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 they're like, I'll, I'll pay you back. Oh, 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 gotcha. You picked them up. Okay, got it. But I just went and grabbed them. I took orders and picked up these Yetis for the guys. Uh, and now... Now I don't care. Like if it's a Yeti, if it's a corkscrew, you've got a Yeti in your hand. I do, and I, I've never had a, a cup that does, or I don't know if I've had a product that does exactly what it says it's going to do any better than a Yeti. And they work great too for warm beverages. It, I actually almost too well. I bought one for a friend, and he put his coffee in it, and like two hours later, he went to take a sip, or I, I think a like a a swig. Assuming that it would have cooled off, nope, hadn't cooled off at all. Add me to that list. You have two buddies like that. It is Mackling and McGarry. We're asking you this morning, what is something that you just had to have? Inspired by these Stanley tumblers that so many people just have to have. We've got tickets for the Mid-Canada RV and boat sale at the RBC Convention Center coming up at the beginning of February. And we've had this like explosion, this volcano of uh, stories just in the last 10 minutes. So deliberations went right up to the buzzer. One of our runners up, Greg, is actually apropos considering what we're discussing today. That would be Sonia. Sonia says, yeah, I'm also a Stanley girl and I had to have this pink one called Pink Parade when it was released as a special edition on Black Friday. Thing is, I wouldn't even have known about it had I not received an email from Stanley letting me know it was going to be released at 11 a.m. on Black Friday and had to sign up to be notified so I could promptly purchase it. Well, they had me at pink and that's exactly what I did. And now she's my best friend. (laughs) I should mention, I do actually drink four of these full of water every day. So it does ensure I get my water quota each and every day. Yeah. These things are uh, big 40 ounces. And then another runner up here. This is Chris and Chris says, I'm usually indifferent to social media trends, but one that got me recently was Godzilla minus one. I haven't seen a Godzilla movie since the terrible Matthew Broderick one from 1998 and didn't think I'd ever need to see another, (laughs) especially a subtitled Japanese movie. But I heard a lot of buzz. I gave it a shot. And wow, it's weird to say, but that movie would have been a great movie even without Godzilla in it. Turns out all you need to do to make a good Godzilla movie is to make a good movie first. Then add giant monster destruction on top. Chris, well said. I'm really ha- as one of the couch potatoes. I'm really happy that you got to see this movie on the big screen because I saw it. I'm the same with you. I I was gonna just wait for it for home video. Saw everyone raving about it, and I went to see it on the big screen. And it was my favorite movie of 2023. Uh, so good for you, Chris. But Greg, our winner is Paul in Silver Heights. Yes. Well, I just had to have my Martin guitar. Was love at first sight. I slept on the couch for about two weeks. I learned that it's easier to beg for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Now, Brett, you asked Paul, why did you have to sleep on the couch? Well, because I bought it without asking my wife first. Like a fool. (laughs) P.S. I still have both the wife and the guitar. (laughs) I don't know anything about guitars. Do you have any idea what these Martin guitars cost? I do not. Fortia, you're a music guy. Do you have any clue? A lot of money. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I've never bought a guitar, so I, I, I have no idea. But I know that they can get extremely expensive, like thousands of dollars. Oh, my goodness. 
Okay, yeah, I just said uh, I'm just googled Martin guitar costs. The first thing that popped up was sure. Martin guitars at Long and McQuaid yes. here in Winnipeg, and the one that they're focusing on is uh, almost forty five hundred bucks. Okay, so it was a fairly large purchase. I was at Long and McQuaid on Wall Street just the other day. Oh my gosh, what a gorgeous store! Yeah, it's a oh store. my gosh, <laughs> I need to work harder <laughs> so you can buy more toys. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're heading to Brandon to talk Ag Days at nine thirty five. But Greg, what's coming? up in sports it's a winnipeg jets game day we'll hear from nate schmidt about how the team is resetting after a busy stretch plus an impressive milestone was reached last night in nhl action ross levitan standing by these stories and more coming up in sports next at 9 25 Just ahead of your forecast, we are getting uh, word that there's more problems on Abenoji Mikanaw. And uh, Liz, for example, telling us another day of collisions on Abenoji Mikanaw on the bridge between River and Pembina going westbound. Liz says, I've been in the car for almost an hour only from St. Anne's Road, stay right, because the two left lanes are blocked by a fire truck. And looking at your forecast, we've got an extreme cold warning for most of southwestern Manitoba, including Brandon and Dauphin. Light snow today, blowing at times. West wind up to 50 kilometers an hour and a high of minus 17. Mainly cloudy tonight, 60% chance of more light snow, a low of minus 23. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy, high minus 17. Thursday, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of minus 19. At the Forks, we've got minus 20. And at the airport, we also have minus 20, but a bit of a cooler wind chill there. Minus 32 is the wind chill outside 680 CJOB. It is Mackling and McGarry. We'll check in with Hal Anderson in our next segment to tell you what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. And before we head to Brandon to find out what's happening at a big, big show that kicks off today, Greg, uh, one final thought from James on the Stanley Tumbler. Yes, uh, guys, one thing I don't understand about the Stanley Tumbler is why do we need so much water now? It seems like when we were growing up, certainly when we were younger adults, you didn't drink as much water as you do now, but now it's your seems like you're hard pressed to see people without some kind of tumbler for water. James says, so strange. I wonder if it's just because we used to drink more water, but now there's so much focus on it because for many of us, we're just not drinking enough water. You might drink five, six cups of coffee in the morning. Have you had any water? Or do you like to drink pop? My mom used to drink so much Diet Pepsi. She would drink the water, but she liked to drink pop. Right. And, uh, or maybe, you know, like, what do I do on Friday at 11 o'clock? I walk <laughs> down the street and the, they, they've they already got my beer poured at 11 o'clock. I try to drink as much water through the day to that point. But after that, maybe not so much. So I think we just, there's a more of a focus to make sure we're getting that water. Yeah, I think maybe we're becoming more aware of the uh, impact that water can have at the proper amount of consumption and can have on our health and a variety of different fronts. Maybe that's a conversation for us to have with a with a physician in the in the next few days here, Brett. It's a good idea, Greg. This is uh, we're planning future shows on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Get used to this. That's how, we, that's, how our, that's unfortunately how our brains work, right? Like we never stop. Doesn't matter what we're doing. We're like. That might be a good uh, segment. Anyway, speaking of planning our shows on the fly, many thanks to listener Ray the Green Guy in Minnedosa for giving us a reminder this morning on what we are about to discuss. 
Manitoba Ag Days begins today in Brandon and runs for three days at the Keystone Center from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not familiar with Ag Days, this show is an exposition of agricultural production expertise, technology, and equipment that attracts exhibitors and visitors from across not just Canada, but the U.S. as well. So one of the many great things coming out of Ag Days this year, Brett, they have joined forces with Great Taste of Manitoba to create a series of documentaries about the passionate people who work in Manitoba's agricultural and agri-food sector. Huge part of our economy. Donnelly Jones is the senior producer of Great Tastes of Manitoba. Donnelly, great to speak with you again. Uh, Happy Ag Days. Yeah, happy Ag Days, day one, but it feels like about day seven already. I bet it does. My dad used to uh, to sell Motorola products and, and used to have to go and hang out with them at Ag Days. So I know how long those days can be from personal experience. Uh, so many things to see, so many things to learn about. We heard about this partnership that you had created back in September. And so now that Ag Days is, is finally here, are you excited? I, You know, I really am. We have been talking about this almost a full year that this this initiative has been in the planning stages. And so now that it's here and we're on site and we're conducting interviews and collecting content, uh, it's really pretty cool. And, and I have to say, being at the Keystone for the last number of days, agriculture really is a community. Like there's thousands of people here, but everybody's helping each other out. You walk down the hallway, everybody says hello. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. So for those who, who don't know, um, how big a deal? is Ag Days. Ag Days is Canada's largest indoor farm show, and it really is where the agricultural community comes to meet and do business. So um, I don't know how many people will be here over the course of the next three days, but the Keystone Centre is a massive facility, and it is wall-to-wall people. Yeah, it is uh, 450,000 square feet and the different displays and different opportunities to see what's new, greatest, latest in ag is unprecedented in this uh, part of the world. So tell us about Great Taste of Manitoba. We've spoken to you about this uh, ongoing television program. Is it 25 years now, Donnelly? 35 years. We're entering oh our my gosh. anniversary. Boy, yeah. when television was invented. <laughs> yeah, almost, right? I always joke with people, we've been on the air as long as The Simpsons quite a feat for a local show. <laughs> oh, that's a great uh, comparison and adds, adds some perspective on how long The Simpsons has been around. My gosh. Uh, but Great Taste of Manitoba, uh, before we learn about the docu-series produced on the prairies, we want to lo- uh, you know just tell us about Great Taste of Manitoba. Yeah, so the show has been showcasing local farms and local foods for the last 35 years. And so we do that by cooking with local ingredients each week. It's it's, you know, at the heart, at its core, it's a cooking show. But over the last number of years, you know, there's more of an interest in where your food comes from. And so we've tied that back to the farms. We've introduced our viewers to over 60 Manitoba farm families and agricultural communities um, to show them just where this food comes from and, and who's behind the scenes producing it. And so that was kind of the start. That's where we started is let's introduce viewers to farmers. But having, you know, done quite a few of those stories already, we wanted to widen the net. We wanted to tell more stories and, and to tell stories about the diverse range of jobs in agriculture. Agriculture is far more, and you see this when you come to Ag Days, it's far more than just primary production. There's, it's such a complicated you know, industry with so many different facets. And so that's what Produced on the Prairies 
is all about. And Manitoba is doing such a great job of capitalizing on those raw uh, agricultural project, pro- products, those crops, right, and turning them into secondary uh secondary products and and the manufacturing and the, and the food sector is such a huge part of our economy. So talk about those stories that you're telling in that realm. Yeah. So of course we know that, that agriculture and farmers produce safe food. Like that's obviously a big focus of our show, but we also produce beverages. We got to go to the beer tasting event last night. We got to go to a brewery, right? So we're turning that raw barley that's grown in Manitoba into beer. We're also going you know, into stories about other things we produce, like equipment. There are so many Manitoba-based equipment manufacturers that have had success over the world. They're huge companies that have, you know, it often starts with a farmer needs to create a solution for a problem on their farm and they create something, they invent something, and then sell it to other farmers and it just builds and builds. So that's another story. We produce equipment. That's the one that we're premiering this morning. Um, We've got stories about fertilizer. We've got stories about genetics. We've got stories about soil and seed. Um, We're looking at habitat and innovation. We spent this morning um, interviewing folks who are entered into the innovation showcase competition here at Ag Days. And that really is a look at technology and innovation that's coming. It's kind of the next big thing in agriculture. And local companies are coming up with these ideas and and creating the software and creating, you know, engineering products to help farmers. And Donna Lee, I'm just looking at uh, somebody flagged something for me here, which ties into you. You mentioned the the sense of community and uh, one of the big programs that's been, it's been 10 years now since Manitoba Ag Days uh, launched, Ag Days Gives Back, and uh, over $44,000 handed out uh, in the 2023 Ag Days, and looks like they're expecting $50,000 this year in grants and scholarships because the event is so successful. And in I think one of the things that, if anything, people need to, remember about why this is event is such a big deal is, you know, it's filled with a room of people who are devoted to making sure Manitoba gets fed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what, in, in telling the 60 stories we've told, I'm, I'm a little biased because I'm a farmer as well. And I grew up in agriculture, but, but, you know, I, there's not a place we have been, not a farm we have visited, not a business we have visited in all of these stories, you know, 60 in past seasons and, we're doing another 15 this year. Every person we talk to just is genuinely passionate about what they do and really care about not only the end product that they're producing for a consumer, but also the process and, and the sustainable practices they use to get there. Donnelly Jones, producer uh, or producer of Great Taste of Manitoba and also telling us about the docuseries Produced on the Prairies. And I assume that you are producing Produced on the Prairies as well, Donnelly? Yeah, you got it. I'm here uh, shooting interviews and collecting content all week. We are premiering three episodes at the show exclusively for the Ag Days uh, audience. But the rest of the series will be rolled out, um, broadcast on CTV in the fall. And we'll probably put some sneak peeks up on our YouTube channel throughout the coming months to kind of just get everybody excited about it. 
Great Taste of Manitoba, 35 years on television. And the Keystone Centre, Brett, not only did I try to rob Great Taste of Manitoba of a decade on the air of television, the Keystone Centre, one of my friends in Brandon says, hey, Greg, don't rip us off. The Keystone <laughs> Centre is 540,000 square feet, not 450,000. I got the four and the five backwards. Agdays.com for more information on Agdays. Hey, by the way, one last question, Donnelly, before we let you get run. If anybody is wanting to zip out to Agdays, any is there any chance of getting a, a hotel room in Brandon in the next couple of days? <laughs> hotel rooms are tough, but you can still get tickets for the show if you want to make a day trip. All right, Donnelly Jones, senior producer of Great Taste of Manitoba. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thanks, guys. Once again, the website, agdays.com, where producers from all across North America come to Brandon. It's the biggest show of its kind in Canada.